We've been talking about uh, Matthew chapter 5, going through parts of the Sermon on the Mountain. As I've said just about every week, we're going to be going through this most of the year and drawing from this important teaching of Jesus to us what he has for us, what he not just what he has for us, what he wants from us. And yes, I'll use this word in today's church, what he expects from us. As I've been uh, praying and reading and having conversations with other pastors and other uh, believers and just kind of observing over this, especially these last two years because it's been so acute, these last two and a half years now, I guess, since COVID really started. Uh, it's amazed me how much the church has changed, the attitude of people in the church. When I say the church, I'm not talking about the buildings. I'm not talking about the community. I'm talking about the individuals. It amazes me how much the individuals in the church have changed in the last two and a half years. Attitudes. I just saw another, another leader, former leader, uh, who is a, a woman's author and a woman's teacher. Uh, she has renounced her faith and said that uh, portraying Jesus as a man to this world uh, isn't good. By the way, Jesus was a truthful figure who lived. He was a man. So I don't know what you do with that. It's, but she said women cannot identify with Jesus. Black people and other people of color cannot identify with Jesus. And other people of other different minority groups cannot identify with Jesus if you identify him as a man. I, I got to tell you, the, these are the things that just kind of stump me. I, I, I don't know. Listen, can I, can I be honest with you, folks? I don't have to identify with anybody. Okay? I follow Jesus. I put my trust in him. He's my savior. I don't have to identify with him. I need to follow him. I need to learn from him. I need to try to become like him. But in order to be that, I don't, I, I can't identify with everybody. I just can't. It's impossible because I am me and I am who God created me as and I am as God created me. So I can't identify that way. But it amazes me how far and how quickly people have, have fallen away. And that's why I'm just drawn more and more to building the church stronger, building the people stronger. What we've got coming up on August 6th, I think is amazing. I think it, it is, when I, when I heard about that opportunity, when I heard about what the missions team came up with, uh, a laundry day, going to a laundromat and paying for people's laundry, I, th I think that's awesome. I, th I think that's me. Speaking as a, uh, how many of you, if, you, if you're bold enough and brave enough to say, how many of you, when you first got married, when you first started to have kids, you didn't have a washer and dryer, you had to go to the laundromat? That was, laundromat was a budget item, man. Truly was. And three kids under the age of, you know, I had three that were three and younger at one time. And that was like, literally laundry was a budget item. So being able to help people out by helping them with laundry, I think is, is just a, an incredible thing. But don't mistake that for, for 
don't, I should say, don't substitute that for your growth in the scriptures. That is a great way to serve, but we also need to make sure that we are growing ourselves, that we are working on our own walk with Jesus, that we are growing closer and closer to him. And that's what this has been about. That's what these Beatitudes are about. They're the expectations that Jesus has of us. And now we get to verses uh, 13 through 16, where he takes what he has taught us and teaches us how to put it into action. We're going to read Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It's a continuation of the sermon that we started last week. If you'd stand with me as we read these verses. <clears throat> Immediately after telling us what he expects of us in these uh, Beatitudes, Jesus goes into this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You may be seated. And we started this last week uh, talking about what Jesus expects of us. And he uses these two illustrations about our life, about us as individuals and how we portray ourselves to the world and how we are portrayed. And he says, you're salt and you're light. And last week I told you that salt and light are two elements in, in the natural ecosystem of the world that, that are important and they are vital to the continuation of life. They are, they are extremely vital to the existence of life, salt and light. And Jesus likens us as human beings, as his followers, after he has told us how he expects us to live, how he expects us to represent him. Now, you are the, this is what's at stake. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. People cannot be, people will not see Jesus unless you live him before them. We live in a day and age, we live in an area, and we, we say this all the time, but I think it's important that we're reminded of it and it keep, it's kept in our forefront. We live in an area where the majority of people, listen, the majority of people in the Springfield metropolitan area don't know the real Jesus, don't know the Jesus of the Bible. I was in a, a meeting this past week and somebody asked about another individual who was a leader in this, this certain community. They said, no, this person doesn't go to meetings that are in churches. And that's the attitude many people have. They don't want anything to do with the church. They don't know anything about the church because all they've, all they've, all they've heard of the church is negative. And quite honestly, we in the church are to blame for that. We have represented Jesus in a false way. We've represented Jesus, and I'm not speaking of every individual, I'm talking about the church collectively, has represented, represented Jesus in an angry way, in a very difficult way for people to want to get to know. You know, if you, if you have somebody in your life that is constantly yelling at you, that is constantly digging at you, that is constantly telling you how bad you are and how worthless you are and how unloved you are, 
That's not a person you're going to want in your life. And if we truly say that we are followers of Jesus and we're trying to mimic Jesus and we're trying to be Jesus to the world, yet that's what we're portraying, folks, they're not going to want what we have. It's just the way it is. So Jesus tells us, live this way, but now what's on the line is the fact that you are the influence in this world that will draw them to me. He says, if I am lifted up, once again, use this verse a lot, if I am lifted up, I will draw people to me. Who lifts him up? We do. How do you lift him up? That's what this message is about. We lift Jesus up. How can I change the world for Jesus? How can I change the world for Jesus? And I ask you to personalize that. I ask you to ask yourself that personal question. How can I, in my everyday life, in the way I live, in the way I work, in the way I uh, converse with people, in the way I represent my, my faith to others, in the way I raise my children, in the way I do, uh, I, in the way I, I neighbor, I, I'm, the way I neighbor others, the way I treat people in the grocery store. How can I lift Jesus up? How can I change the world? We started last week, and the, remember I, I said there's five points here, and they all begin with I. That's where the I in quotations comes from. The first element, the first way that we can change the world I gave you was this, by the influence that I exert. I could change the world by the influence that I exert towards the world. I gave you a quote, you'll never, change, you'll never influence the world by trying to be like it. We're try, we, we even try to get our service, we even try to get the church to mimic the world right now. We want, we want Sunday morning to be a rock concert. We want Sunday morning to be an entertainment time for people. Listen, can I, can I tell you, if you, get, if you win people, if you bring people in with entertainment, you're only going to keep them with entertainment. We are not called to entertain. We're called to influence for Jesus. We're called to introduce people to Jesus Christ. We're called to share Jesus with them. Oh, but, but it gets them in the door. Okay. All right. I mean, that, listen, I only pastor New Life, so it's not my call to tell other people what to do. But I'm saying this. If people can walk away from faith so easily, they probably never had it in the first place. So it's important that we keep the main thing the main thing in church. And we make sure that people understand that what we're doing here is not trying to entertain you and try, not trying to keep your attention. We're trying to share the love of Jesus, the one who changes not only your everyday existence, but your eternity. That's what's at stake. <laughs> so it's by the influence that I exert. The second one we finished up with last week was by the illumination that I provide. I gave you a quote from John Hagee. We are indeed the light of the world, but only if our switch is turned on. If all you're trying to do is light up the world for Jesus on Sunday morning by, by singing you know, loudly in worship and raising your hands and closing your eyes and, and, and enjoying the worship, but when you leave here, you're not doing anything for the, the cause of Christ, well, you're not providing much illumination. Jesus said, be like this light that I have described, because in your house, you don't, you, you don't, let, let's bring it into modern day. You don't turn a light switch on and then cover it up with a blackout curtain, right? You turn a switch on because you want to see. If you use your phone 
Flashlights are going out of, out of vogue now, right? Our phones are our flashlights for a lot of people. You turn the flashlight on, you don't then put it in your pocket so that you can't see where you're going. We turn a light on or we light a candle or we do something to illuminate, to provide light. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And the reason you are the light of the world is to provide light. I didn't transfer you, I didn't transfer the light from me to you so that you can then go out into darkness and be just like the darkness. I gave you the light so that you can go out and be the light. We change the world by the illumination that we provide. And that brings us to point number three. This is where we're going to pick up this week. I can change the world by the impact that I make. I can change the world by the impact that I make. I encourage you to get involved with this uh, August 6th opportunity. I encourage you to do that. You have no idea how an act of kindness, can, well, maybe you do. Maybe it's, maybe it's happened to you. Somebody's just shown kindness to you and it has changed your entire, it, it changes your day. And maybe, just maybe, it impacts someone in such a way that they now have a desire to know more. That's what living for Jesus is all about. Making an impact. It's not about earning brownie points for Jesus. It's not about storing up crowns in heaven for yourself. It's about impacting others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is love. God is the source of love. Love emanates from the person of Jesus Christ. He is the very source and fountain of light, of love. Therefore, when we go out and share Jesus, we are sharing love. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be sharing love with a world that is unlovely, with a world that is unloved, and quite frankly, with a world that has lost its knowledge of how to love each other. How awesome would it be if the church stopped trying to win every argument and win every fight and simply loved people for who they are and for the souls that they have that need Jesus. I can change the world by the impact I make. Deborah Pardee said this, when God puts love and compassion in your heart towards someone, he's offering you an opportunity to make a difference in that person's life. You must learn to follow that love. Don't ignore it, act on it. Somebody needs what you have. And I call this learning how to listen to the Holy Spirit. People ask me all the time, well, what does it look like to hear from God? That's what it looks like. When, when you are impressed to help somebody, when there's an impression on your heart, listen to this, even if it goes against your feelings on the matter. And I you know, go to the one that we always, that people always bring up. Well, I think they're going to use my $2 that I give them to go buy drugs. Okay, whatever. Maya works at McDonald's in Enfield, one of the McDonald's in a town near us. <laughs> and there's a, a gentleman that uh, stands out there with a cardboard sign, and she said every time he gets enough money, he comes in and buys something to eat. Okay. Well, I guess that, I, I guess that shatters that narrative for that individual, right? Don't let your bias and your prejudice and don't let your, I won't say selfishness because that's harsh. Don't let your feelings on the matter get in the way of the Holy Spirit working through you to help somebody else out. 
Because at one point in your life, you either needed help or you will need help. And you sure are going to want someone who is soft and tender towards the leadership of the Holy Spirit who will reach out to you. When you feel that prompting in your heart, listen to it. Follow it. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in taking care of a matter that you could take care of. Helping out where you can. James chapter 5, verse 20. James, who is a very uh, upfront and very straightforward author, says this, let, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. See, many times we look at people and say, oh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're too far gone. They're never going to hear. They're never going to respond. It's not even worth the time. And that's, that's, that's not the way I do things. That's not the way I minister. Well, James says, listen, doesn't matter how the Holy Spirit calls you to do something. If you respond and if you reach out to someone, man, that has the potential to save a sinner from their sin and change their eternal destiny. That's what's, at, that's what's at stake. It's not about the good feeling you get in your heart. Like I said, it's not about earning brownie points with God. It's about representing Jesus and doing what Jesus would do. Would Jesus look at that person and judge them for the way they look? Would he judge them for the way they, for, for the sign they hold? Or would he say, let me help you out here. I mean, let me show you some love. Let me show you a little bit of compassion. Jude 22 in the old King James says this, and if some have compassion, making a difference. Compassion. What's your compassion level? Are you quick to judge people or are you quick to try to see them in their need? Are you quick to say, how can I help? Or are you quick to say, you know what? Not my, not my job, not my responsibility. As a church, as, a, as, a fo- as an individual, not, not a collectively, as, as an individual follower of Jesus Christ, we are called to have compassion on others. And by having compassion, we can make a difference. And by making a difference, I can change the world. Hebrews 13, 16. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. That word takes it to a whole new level, doesn't it? God, God, God's not pleased with... I, I, it's, not the second, it's not the money for the second latte that shows my compassion. It's the sacrifice that it causes me. It's the sacrifice that I make, the sacrifice of my time, the sacrifice of my own feelings on the matter. I think we, we play that way too short many times. You know, it's like the kid that gets sent to the corner back in, I mean, you spent most of your childhood growing up in the corner. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's a little kid that's sent in the corner and told to sit in the corner, and he turns to his mom. He says, yeah, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside, right? 
Amen. That's, that's the way many of us serve. That's the way many of us do what we do. That's the way many Christians do what they do. Oh, I'm doing this on the outside for the outward appearance, but inside it's not what I, it, no way, man. This isn't me at all. But see, Jesus wants to change you from the inside out. We sing that song from the inside out, right? He wants to change us from the inside out. That's what the Beatitudes are about. Now that you've got the Beatitudes, an understanding of them, now be salt and light. Now make those sacrifices that matter. Make those sacrifices that count. Make those sacrifices in your life. Give up your time. Give up what you're called to give up and to help out with so that people's lives and eternal souls will be affected for the kingdom of God. I can change the world by the impact that I make. The next one, the next I, the way I can change the world. Now listen to this one, folks. I can change the world by the imitation that I, ad- I attempt. I can change the world by the imitation that I attempt. Now, those of you from my generation, you remember, especially as, as, as kids, uh, most of us boys attempted the, to imitate John Wayne, right? Wanted to be, we, we tried, to, tried to swagger, like those of you who are younger, look him up on the YouTube, you'll find John Wayne, right? We tried to, tried to swagger like John Wayne and, and tried to, hey, pilgrim, right? Tried to, I can't do it, I'm terrible, I'm terrible at these things. <laughs> but tried to imitate John Wayne. Or there was always somebody, and I always used to love um, Rich Little, right? Anybody remember Rich Little? Rich Little was a great impersonator, and he imitated everybody. I mean, the guy, it was amazing. You'd see him sitting there watching this guy. And I, my, my confusion or my question was, how do you know what your real voice is? If you're always, if you're, you're the man of a thousand voices, how do you know what your real voice is, you know? But he was imitating him and it, and it impressed people. And it made people smile. It changed people's day. I mean, I, I know it changed my day. We can change the world by the imitation that we attempt. The Beatitudes are Jesus' way of telling us what it's like to be like him. You understand that? These Beatitudes that he gave to us and now salt and light, he tells us when he first came into the world, when he first started ministry, he says, I am the light of the world. Now he transfers that to us and he says, you are the light of the world. Imitate me. Be the light that I am. Be the light that I was while I was here. Let my light shine through you. Shine your light to this world. The Beatitudes are his way of telling us what it is like to be like him. Imitating Jesus is not a one-time choice. It isn't a Sunday go-to-meeting thing. It's a daily grind of living and choosing and changing into the image of the one who died for you. You know, folks, imitating Jesus doesn't just mean out there. And it doesn't just mean in here. It means in your house. Hey, kids, young people, imitating Jesus means the way you treat your parents. I think Jesus treated Mary and Joseph the way some of our young people treat their parents today. Just a question. Hey, parents, imitating Jesus in your home, that means you treat your spouse the way Jesus would treat your spouse. Gentlemen, we are called to love our wives the way Jesus loves the church. Wives, 
You're called to honor your husbands the way Jesus honors the church. Families, we're called to treat each other and love each other and respect each other the way Jesus loves, honors, and respects us. That's imitating Jesus in our homes. Imitating Jesus in school, imitating Jesus at work, is living and working and treating people the way Jesus would do it at work. And we're not going to talk about driving a car because that goes a little too far. Just kidding. Just kidding. First Peter 2.9 says, listen to the way Peter describes us. This, he's talking about us here. He's talking about us as followers of Christ. Listen to this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He called you out of darkness into his light. He called you into his light to illuminate. He called you into his light now, and he put his light inside you when you accepted him as your savior so that you can shine to the world. He did that because you're special in his eyes, because you matter in his eyes. You matter in his plan. He has a plan and a purpose for you. It's not to do your own thing. It's not, listen, Jesus didn't save you so you can find your own voice. Okay? Jesus didn't save you so you could find your own voice. Jesus didn't save you so you can figure out how you identify or who you identify with. That's a lie from Satan. Jesus saved you so he can, so you can imitate him. That's exactly why you are still here on this earth, to imitate Jesus so others will see him and they can be rescued from hell. Let's break it down, folks. What's more important, that you are satisfied with yourself or that other people escape an eternal hellfire for eternity? Sorry if that breaks up your, your uh, summer, but that's what's at stake here. What's at stake with the choices we make and the choice to imitate and the choice to do what we do as Christians? To sacrifice our own desires and to sacrifice what we may, what we may truly want in order to follow Jesus? That's what he has called us to do. And that's how we make a difference. That's how we change the world. By the imitation that I attempt. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of a time for us to do. Right there, man. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has something for you to do. If you're so busy trying to figure out who you are, if you're so busy trying to figure out how you, uh, how, how you fit in to everything else, rather than how you are imitating Jesus Christ, then you're missing the point of your existence as a follower of Jesus. Once again, this life is not about you. This life is about reaching other people for Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And heaven is for you. This place is about serving him. 
Philippians 3 verses 8 and 9 say, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, boy, it just gets tougher here, doesn't it? Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them all as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Paul is very simply telling us, the thing, if, if we will truly turn our eyes on Jesus, if we will truly desire to follow Jesus and become like him, the things that we think we're having to give up, the things that we hold so dear, the things that, the things that we want so desperately, quite honestly, the lies that Satan is fooling us with, will seem just like garbage once we realize that we're following Jesus and those things were just holding us back. And at the end of that, he says, my goal is to gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, not being my own person, not, not figuring out my own path in this world, not having my own voice, not having my own identity, but imitating Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor John, it, it, I, watched, I watched Oprah and they, you know, they psychologists say, let's just get something straight. Unless they're coming from the word of God, you shouldn't be listening to them. Everybody, everybody get that? Now, you may not agree with that. You may not like that. You may want to throw a tomato at me. But folks, that's the way we're supposed to live as Christians. As far as it goes for our spiritual lives. Don't, don't get your teaching from uh, some internet clown that has, has no... I, I, I read an interview this past week of a woman that says she was transported to heaven. She's, she's transported to heaven like every other week. She was transported to heaven and there's, there's roller coasters in heaven. And, and uh, she said she was taken to a little house where Elvis was playing music for Jesus. Really? Really? And, and people listen to this. And, and celebrities are treated like celebrities in heaven. So there's paparazzi, I guess, in heaven. Come on, man. Really? Is this what we've devolved to? That people will actually give credibility to someone who just violates the teaching of Scripture over and over and over and over again? And what they say is so against the Word of God? And people will take that and put it, they won't, won't come to church, won't give credibility to someone who, who truly studies the word and tries to learn the word and tries to share the word and won't sit down with their friends from church and, and talk about the Bible and try to sharpen themselves and sharpen each other. They'll listen to some crazy person who says that heaven has pink clouds and that we're floating around and riding the express elevator to wherever. Come on, folks. We're followers of Jesus. We're followers of the Most High. We're followers of the one who died on the cross to pay the price for not only our sins, but the sins of all humanity. Can we at least give that the respect it deserves? Can we at least give that the honor it deserves? He said, I died for you so you can 
you can have eternal life and you can now live for me. When did we get it switched around where we're now living for ourselves and thinking that that's godly? Listen, and I say this to people that, that talk to me and ask me the question, I say it kindly, but don't blame God because you are selfish and want to live your own way. You've made selfish choices. You've put yourself in these situations. Don't blame God. He's your way out of it, but he wasn't your way into it. You've chosen this path. Now you can choose a way out of it, okay? You can choose a way out of it, but don't blame him for the poor choices you've made. He has a way, he has told us how to live. It's our responsibility now to do our best. Now, notice I said, by the imitation, I attempt. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. Just like my John Wayne imitation is not very good. Sometimes, honestly, let me be transparent, man. Sometimes my Jesus imitation, not very good. Truly, not very good. Sometimes my Jesus imitation is more like Daffy Duck. Sometimes my Jesus imitation is more like Elmer Fudd. But I try. And I keep getting up, confessing my sin, and trying every day to be more like Jesus. I may fail, but it's not how many times you fail, it's how many times you get back up and move forward, trying to be a better imitation of Jesus Christ. Attempting with every step I take to be more like Jesus, to imitate him better, to show the world the love that he showed me and continues to show me. And the last I and how I can change the world is this. I can change the world by the impression that I leave. I can change the world by the impression that I leave. Many times we'll have meetings, you know, maybe, maybe at work, you'll have meetings or whatever, in whatever field you're in, you'll have meetings and they're tense meetings, right? And they're, they're stressful meetings and they're meetings that, uh, where things have to be addressed and it gets, it gets very difficult to, to deal with. A, you have to have those conversations, right? And you address those matters, but then, you know, I think a good leader knows how to leave a meeting on a, if it's possible to leave a meeting on a positive note, try to find something to build on from that moment on. And I think when we share Jesus with others, when we live Jesus in front of others, folks, I don't have to agree with everybody. Okay? I don't. My big question to people is this. Are, and I, I don't say it this way. I'll say it this way because it just gets the point across. Please don't think I talk to people this way. Why are you so desperate for my validation? Seriously. I am, listen, I'm a broken down, I, I, I got a call this week to go August 10th to get my other hip replaced. That's who I am, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not skin and bones, I'm skin, bones, and titanium. And they're just going to add more. So, seriously, I've got no hair. The, the hair I have is gray. Why are you so desperate for my validation? Why does it, why does it matter that everybody agrees with you? 
Why, why are you so desperate for that? Ask yourselves those questions. And as Christians, why are you so desperate that everybody in the church sees things your way? They're never going to. For crying out loud, I'm the pastor and people don't see it my way. Just, it's just the way it is. Don't be desperate for everybody to validate your choices. You know who you need to be concerned about validating your choices? Jesus Christ. He's the one. He's the validation you need. He's the okay you need. If you can honestly say this all the time, if you can honestly go to the scriptures and say, I will stand before God and answer for this without a doubt, because I, have, I believe I have scripture to stand on. And, if, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm comfortable with the fact that I will stand before Jesus and I, get, I can give a biblical answer for why I made the choice I made. If you can do that, then live that way, man. Then live that way. But don't try to validate your life choices and say they're Jesus-motivated and godly when they're not in the Bible and they don't agree with the Scriptures. Just say you want to live your way. It's that, it, it's that simple. Man up, woman up, and take responsibility and ownership for your life. That, that's just the way to do it. I will, I can change the world by the impression that I leave. I say this to you. God never told us to impress people, but he did tell us to make an impression on them for Jesus. God never told me to impress people. Okay? He never told me to impress people. But he sure has told me to leave an impression on them for Jesus. Titus 2, verses 7 and 8 says, In everything, make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach, so that any opponent will be ashamed because he doesn't have anything bad to say about us. <clears throat> there are people out there that are trying to justify lifestyles that the Bible doesn't justify by scriptures. One, I, I'm just going to say this one because this is just it, it cross dressing. They, they justify, no lie, man, they justified it by Joseph in his coat of many colors because they say that in the Hebrew, that can be princess dress. No, it can't. It's pretty simple. You can look it up on, in a concordance and you can find that it doesn't mean that. But there are people that will swallow that and say, well, well jo and they have. Joseph was a, Joseph was a cross-dresser. No, he wasn't. His father made him a very special coat because his dad, that's a whole new thing. His dad loved him more than his 11 other brothers. That's not a good thing as a father, by the way, as parents. Don't show favoritism to one over the others. But folks, just because someone says, this is what the Bible says, please check it out for yourself. Even me, especially me. Check out the Bible, what the Bible says. It's very easy today to find ways to study the Bible. Go to blueletterbible.org. Blue Letter Bible, you mean you can 
break it down into commentaries. There's concordances on there, and it's all in the click of a button. You'll find out what the scriptures truly say. People just make things up nowadays to try to, to justify their lives. Listen, live your life the way you want to. Why do you want the why do you why are you so desperate to have the validation of the church if you don't want to be part of the church? See what I'm saying? For Christians, that can't be true of us. Okay, now after everything I've just said, let me say this. That can't be true of us. Because we need to leave an impression on people for Jesus. We hear all this, and we hear people talking. And we hear people railing on us, and we hear people saying that the one that, the one that uh, I'll be honest with you, the one that really bothers me is when people say, I hate others. Or they say, I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid. Listen, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of choices you make in your life. I'm not afraid of you moving into my neighborhood. I, I three of my kids were, I'm, I'm going to be talking to Melvin about this. Three of my kids were walking down the street looking for our cat. One street over from our house, three of my children of color this past week, and a woman called the police in my neighborhood on my three children of color looking for our cat because they were stalking her. Man, we've lived here for almost three years now. Just say what it is. You're a bigot. You don't like black people in your neighborhood. You don't like brown people in your neighborhood. Listen, you know, what, you know what I wanted to do as a father? It wasn't bake her cookies and go over there and introduce myself. You know, what, you know what I need to do as a Christian? Keep my tongue. Not go over there. I need to leave an impression of Jesus. Maybe I take a walk with my kids around the neighborhood so people know these kids are with us and maybe stir the pot a little and say, yeah, we're biological, right? Yeah, but why? Why wouldn't you think it's, why would you think this is any different than a biological family? I don't understand. They look just like me. You see, the secret to making an impression and leaving an impression for Jesus is not reacting to what they bring. Oh, it's to know what's going on out there. It's to know where they're coming from. And it's to be ready to have an answer as to why you don't stand that way. But your answer has to be one motivated by love. Because see, compassion makes a difference, not your anger. Your well-thought-out argument to prove your point doesn't make a difference. And it won't leave the impression that Jesus would leave. You want to know how Jesus dealt with those who were against him? Read John chapter 3. Read John chapter 3 when, when Nicodemus came to him at night. Nicodemus, one of the ones that was part of the group that wanted to crucify him. And Jesus just laid out his, his whole philosophy, his whole, his whole plan for, for individuals. And he left an impression on Nicodemus for eternity. See, folks, we can, we can choose to lose our cool. We can choose to give people a piece of our mind. But that's not being light, and that's not being salt. And I'm not saying that people don't give us every opportunity to lose our cool. 
and to leave not an impression for Jesus, but an impression of whatever tool you use to make your point. You see why it's so difficult? See why Jesus said, this is the way I have called you to live. And now it's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of self-denial. Because as a Christian, I don't have the right to give them a piece of my mind. Not if I'm going to be salt and light. And I got to tell you, man, that is difficult. It's difficult for me. Oh, it's so difficult for me. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Thank you very much because I didn't want to feel like a sore thumb sticking out there above everybody. It's tough, man. It is so difficult, especially when all they want to do is tear you down. Especially when they misrepresent who you are to the world. It's tough. But I will not change the world by leaving my impression on them. I will change the world by leaving the impression of Jesus Christ and his love and his compassion. That's what's at stake. Somehow, some way, the church, in a, in a broad sense, has lost that understanding. And we think it's important that we win the fight. The battle is over. The war is won. The war is already won. The outcome is determined. We just have to bring as many people to the winning side as we possibly can. And we do that by the impression that we leave. 1 Peter 2.12. I'm sorry. Romans chapter 9. Verses thir- verse 33 to j- chapter 10, verse 1. As it is written, look, I am putting a stone in Zion to stumble over and a rock to trip over. And the one who believes on him will not be put to shame. You, understand? you see where what, what God is saying straight up about Jesus? He's saying, I, I'm going to be a stumbling stone. I am a rock to trip over. Now you can see that a couple different ways. First of all, he is in everybody's path. The choice for or against Jesus is there for everybody to make. And it's our responsibility to impress people with Jesus the best we possibly can. He goes on to say, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning concerning them is for their salvation. I'm leaving there. It's there. He's a stone to stumble over. He's a stumbling block. Now, your responsibility, your desire, your heart's prayer should be their salvation. Not proving your point. Not standing for what you you feel is right. Your heart's desire should be for their salvation. Luke 14, 23. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. What impression are you making on the world? What are they seeing in you? Are they seeing Jesus? 
Parents, what impression are you making on your children? Husbands, what impression are you making on your wives? Wives, what impression are you making on your children? Children, what impression are you making on your siblings? What impression are you making on your parents? What impression are you leaving on this world? What are they seeing when they see your life? Are you salt? Are you light? Are you Jesus to the world? How can I change the world? By seeing things through his eyes. By living life through his lens. By living life through his word. By being Jesus to this world. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here today. Lord, we thank you for your love and the clear teaching of your word. God, I just thank you so much for the honor it is to represent you. Lord, today in this life, today in this world, it, it's so difficult many times, I guess, to see and then to choose the right way because the representation is so much different. But Father, I ask that you will begin to change us, change us from the inside out, Lord. Help us to see your way and your path. Help us to see your way to live. And give us the courage to make that choice, Father. It's not easy. In fact, it's much easier just to go along to get along. It's much easier to be quiet. It's much easier to allow people to find you somewhere else. But Father, I pray that you'll give us the courage to stand for you, the courage to live for you. Show us how to make that impression for you. Show us how we can make an impact for you. And Lord, as we go from here today, may we be your salt and your light to our spouses, to our children, to our family, to our friends, and to this world. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.